you know, it's it's really funny to me how we get so wrapped up in things and we lose sight of the truth. And with everything going on around us in the world today, one thing that's really sticking out in my mind is knowing, you know, we're just like Jonah. But would we know Jesus if we saw him? Welcome to the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast. And I want to welcome you this week, thinking about some things today that just have blown me away over the last few days. And I've been studying again the book of Jonah. I've studied it many times, and I think about Jonah who ran from God, then did what God wanted him to do, and then expected the results uh, to be different than God's nature. And I think that's how we all are, you know. It's funny with things in the world today how things go. The reality of our lives, I mean, look at what Jonah did. He, he, he's called by God to go to Nineveh and he hates Nineveh because he's an Israelite and he feels that there's a tension there. So he's, he's got this disagreement with Nineveh. It reminds me of our political battles or our race battles or anything else that we're facing in the world today. They're different and he didn't want to be a part of their change. So much so that when he's sitting on the hill waiting for the destruction of Nineveh and it doesn't come, he tells God he'd rather be dead than to see them come to know him, than to see them repent of their ways. That's devastating, folks. That's that's harsh. My question is, how many times are we doing the same thing? How many times are we just like Jonah? Actually, let me go somewhere else with this today i mean i want us to think about the story of jonah and realize that it's our story plain and simple god calls us to do something we run from him we then unwillingly give in to god's will because it's going to happen anyway and then we wait for god to be someone he's not i mean he even says to god i know that you're an all loving all knowing all compassionate God, but I'd rather die. What? He would rather die than see God's will happen? There's something about that that just ain't right. And God questions him and says, what right do you have to be angry? That's a fair point. What right do we have to be angry? I mean, he is God. He created this world. He's, he knows better than we do what's going on. But let me ask this question today. Would we know Jesus if we saw him? Would we recognize him? I think it's a fair point for us to think about. I mean, we're a couple weeks removed from Easter. And and one of the things that really sticks out of my mind is just thinking, you know, as we look at these things, what do I mean? Would we know Jesus? I mean, we have trouble remembering faces and names, right? And honestly, there's some occasions that we see in the word where those that knew him best didn't know him. Think about it for a minute. Mary in, in John chapter 20 sees a gardener but doesn't recognize who he is. Then you've got the disciples who, uh, you know, he comes and, and they go fishing and and he calls them again from the shore and they don't recognize him at first. 
And then you've got the two men on the road who Emmaus who actually had a conversation with him. And then they realize who he is after all that was going on and they feel completely crazy for not seeing it to begin with. I mean, how difficult would it have been? I mean, you're in an intimate conversation with someone. You think they would have at least recognized his voice, right? But if we take a step back from those things and those moments, there's even a moment where God didn't recognize Christ. Now, I'm not trying to say anything, but think about the moment when Jesus prays, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is that a moment where God had turned his back and refused to recognize him for who he is? I don't think so. I think it's the fact that he wasn't necessarily recognizable. He was a sinless savior who died with the sin of the world on his shoulders, meaning he didn't look like himself. But I think our expectations of who God is, of who Christ is, is something that we need to look at. Our expectations of Christ, you know, I think we can mistakenly not recognize him. We forget what he looks like. Now, am I going to see a physical form of Christ in front of me? It's not out of the realm of possibilities. But every one of them that we mentioned just a few minutes ago, all the New Testament accounts of those that didn't recognize Jesus had this mindset that Jesus was not here. He had died on the cross, so therefore he was not available to them. And they didn't expect to see him, so they didn't see him. How many times do we not expect him to be where we are? Even though we have all the promises in the word, how many times do we not expect him to be where we are? Maybe we only get used to meeting him at church or, you know, we don't expect to see God, so we don't. And honestly, I I think maybe we need to take a step back. First, I want to say, would we recognize him if we saw him? Um, But before I do that, I want to go to the scripture where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's talking to them about who Christ or who is he is. And they ask him, how will they know? And Jesus replies to them, I believe it's in John 14. When Philip says to him, he says, Lord, show us the father and that's enough for us. And Jesus says, have I been among you all this time and you do not know me, Philip? Now, I read this scripture speaking a little heavily to me, given that the names are the same. But I want to say this to you. Jesus' reply here is key for us to seeing him in more places than we expect. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? I am in the Father and the Father in me. The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. 
And then he continues the conversation in verse 12 of John 14. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Again, the Holy Spirit. But Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So if we've seen Christ, we've seen God. So if we experience one, we experience the other. And so it's interchangeable in many ways. So one of the things that we do is we don't expect to see him. We don't expect to see him revealed. But how? How can we see him? I want to start with the Bible. We see him in the Old Testament just as much as the New. And understand this today. We have to look for him there. Otherwise, we're going to miss something. We're going to miss the truth of the gospel. You know, I find it interesting that we have four gospels and we got we've gotten used to saying the four gospels. You know, the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Luke. Go back and read those beginnings again. The gospel according to. There's only one gospel, folks. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. We get so used to meeting God in places that we expect him to be that we neglect to remember he's everywhere with us. He's all around us. Would you recognize him if you saw him? That's a struggle that I'm having today because the reality is, is no, we wouldn't because we don't expect him to be there. Folks, we can see him in the world around us every single day. We can go through day in and day out, and we just have to expect. There's this waiting with expectancy. And if you've seen the Father, you've seen the Son, and vice versa, you've got to understand today we can see him in the Old Testament. And the apostles, the writers of the New Testament knew that, and they told us that. I mean, Paul tells us in Romans 1, 19 and 20, that God has made himself known in creation. Plain and simple, he's made known in creation. We just simply need to open our eyes. You know, from whatever we see around us, from the mountain views, to the beach, to the endless waters, to the cascading tides, whatever it might be, God has signed creation. Do you see him in creation we can see him in others go back to what i was reading just a moment ago in john 14 he says have i been among you all this time and you do not know me but then you go on down he says the words i'm speaking to you i do not speak on my own the father who lives in me does his works believe in me that i am in the father and the father is in me otherwise believe because of the works themselves Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. The works that we see of the believer, other believers encompass Christ. He is in us, the comforter, the Holy Spirit living in us. That's how others can see us. But we've got to expect to see him. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is here. It's not coming. It's not later. It's now. 
And Paul in Colossians 1 talks about this mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So do we see him in others? I mean, truth be known, we might even see him in those we want to avoid. <laughs> kind of like Jonah. Think about it for a moment. Jonah did not want to see Nineveh come to know the Lord. He did not want to see Nineveh repent. He did not want to believe that God would forgive them of their detestable behavior in his eyes. But they took to repentance like none other. They opened themselves up to that. And God chose to back away. To not bring his destruction because they repented and they turned from their wickedness. Another place we see him is where Jesus tells us we'll find him. What you've done for the least of these, you've done unto me. The, the less fortunate, the sufferers, the strugglers, the ones going through difficult days. I mean, Jesus issued a challenge to the apostles, to the disciples that day. And he says, he says, there, there will come a day when they say, Lord, Lord, when did I see you? And he says, whatever you did to the least of these, you've done unto me. And he talks about when we reach out and we touch those that are basically deemed untouchable by the world. Whatever you did for the least of these, you did it for me. I mean, Jesus was essentially asking, didn't you see me there? Didn't you realize that? I mean, it's really hard for us to step away from our hustle and our bustle. It's hard for us to struggle through these days, but we do. We, we struggle through days each and every day. And sometimes we turn to God when we reach the end of our rope and we feel like we have nowhere else to turn. But shouldn't that be first? But it's that sense of expectancy. We don't expect him to be there. So we take other routes. We take other methods. We go different directions. I mean, the Bible tells us to rejoice always. Paul tells the Thessalonians, rejoice always. Pray continually. As if he's right there with you. Pray continually. Give thanks to God in all things. This is his will for you in Christ Jesus. All things, not just partial things, all things. Go to him in prayer. Talk with him. Give thanks to him even for the hard times. But trust that he's there. Expect him to be there. And, and this is a challenge for us. I mean, it's challenging to see him in creation, but look for him. It's challenging to see him in others, but look for him. It's challenging for us to understand these things, but look for him. Expect him to be there. Because we don't see him because we don't expect it. I mean, do you expect to see him today? I mean, as we as we go through some of these stories and we go through some of these things, a couple things for us to keep in mind is that we must see Christ 
in the Old Testament. Well, how can we see him in the Old Testament? Well, every scripture that talks about a coming Messiah, every prophecy that he fulfilled, he's there. It's him. It's the story. Isaiah, you know, all of them. Every prophecy we see, he's there. I mean, think about what he says to the apostle or to the disciples in Luke 24 when he says, how foolish are you? How slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He took the time to stop and tell the disciples everything about him using the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. In verse 32, it says their hearts burned within them. In other words, Jesus took the time to take them back to who he was using the prophecies of old, the prophecies they knew and their hearts burned within them because they were open to seeing him there. See, we can know God's plan and we, and, and the gift of salvation is, is deeply rooted in knowing the entire story, not just the gospel that we read in one account of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but the entirety of scripture, all of the prophecy leads to that gospel. All of it is the truth about Christ. He is the gospel. There is one gospel. Jesus Christ is that gospel. It doesn't just reside in part two of the Bible. It doesn't just reside in, in one book or one chapter. It resides in the entirety of God's word. And Jesus used that to teach them from the days of Moses to now. Who he was, who he is, who he continues to be. I mean, just think about this. If we look at the Old Testament, the law of the Old Testament, the prophets, the, 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 the failures, the, everything that we see in the Old Testament leads us to him. The Old Testament leads us to Christ. The law exposes, it anticipates. It anticipates Christ. Persuading us that we're in dramatic need of a savior. The law exists to show, to show us that we need a savior. We cannot keep the law, folks. I mean, if we look at the failures of, of characters in the Old Testament and the fact that redemption existed, Noah, Jacob, David, Abraham, I can go on and on about those characters that we've refused to remember their failures because we expect that they're the greatest of the great. Their failures are documented well. Noah got drunk after the flood. But yet, he was still the one who was saved because of his righteousness. Abraham was a liar. He lied about who Sarah was. Abraham was 
not exactly who we would have probably figured he would be. But yet he was picked to be the father of many nations. Jacob was himself a deceiver. And David, don't even get me started on David, adultery, murder, all of those things are failures. But it's through those failures that we see the beauty of Christ. Because the promises that are scattered throughout the Old Testament, the prophecies, those things that are there, they allude us to uh, places of a Savior, a Messiah to come that was going to redeem Israel and the rest of the world, a redemption of all nations. And John brings that to light in, in John 1 when he says the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word. Jesus had taken it back to that word. He said when Moses said this. This was me. When Isaiah said this. This was me. This is me. We see these the revelation of Christ. To the disciples. The wisdom books. The, the prayers. The psalms. The, the proverbs. They spoke in his voice i mean the prayers that david prayed jesus prayed from the cross psalm 22 my god my god why have you forsaken me since i brought that one up earlier and then you've got the prophet priest and king those titles apply to christ you've got the rituals such as passover the title that applies to christ and then you've got the Gospels, you've got the epistles, the writings of Paul, the letters and, and the, the who Christ is in us and the work for, of Christ for the church. And then the revelation, which brings us to the glory of God. The Bible speaks to us. The Bible is a living, breathing, active word, folks. Every word of it leads us to a Savior, a Savior of Christ, the Lord. It's either the story leading up to him, his story on earth, or the story to come when all is said and done. We have the beginning, the middle, and the end. It is a completed novel. It is a completed story that we're in the midst of. We know the end of the story while we're living the reality but if you don't look for these things with Christ in mind if you don't expect him to be there you're missing part of the story you're missing the fullness you're missing the diversity you're missing the 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 wholeness of the word of god so who is jesus and would you recognize him if you saw him? Would you recognize him today if you saw him today? I mean, it's hard for us to see him. I'm not going to lie. But think about all the parallels. Adam, the created man. Jesus is called the second Adam. You have parallels within the scripture. You have stories. We cannot see Jesus on our own. We need the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the, the one who gives us understanding. 
that comes through knowledge and understanding of who God is and who Christ is and a relationship, a growing relationship. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal those things to us. When we turn to the Lord, that veil of doubt is removed. The veil of that it conceals our hearts is removed. We see those things and we can understand those things. You know, but again, Jesus goes to him and he says, if beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scripture, the things concerning himself. He speaks to them. He teaches them. So maybe there's some questions that we can ask when we study the word. You know, the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and I alluded to them and I rem remembered that statement, but he says then, did not our hearts burn within us while we talked to us, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up to us the scripture, while he showed us the reality of it all? Did your heart not burn within you? Folks, when we open the word of God, when we study the word of God, when we dive into the word of God, when we really get invested in the word of God, it causes a burning within us. There is not a sermon that can be preached, a podcast that can be listened to, a statement that can be made by man that is not guided by the Holy Spirit that can burn your heart like the word of God. But when your heart is on fire for the Lord, your, your heart can burn just by the words in the book, folks. Open it, read it, study it. Dive into it. Ask yourself what God's trying to teach you and what you read. Look at what he's done through Christ and what he did leading up to Christ, the stories he told. Think about who you are in him and aim, you know, find your aim. Find, find what he's leading you to do. And how does it apply to your life? I mean, I could look at a number of things. You know, I mean, just we could take just small verses here and there and we could apply and look and see. But I mean, think about the, the stories of the Old Testament, the things that we see in the Old Testament and how might we have seen God in it? How might we have seen Christ? Well, I mean, I'll go back to one that we all know as we grow up as kids and we talk about, and that is, you know, David and Goliath. God was the defender, the provider. He was the creator. He provided for Israel. And in life, he uses the weak to shame the strong. We're told that throughout the New Testament. There's victory in unlikely circumstances. He's the God of the impossible. But Christ humbled himself and entered the battlefield on our behalf to do the impossible. What was the impossible? To break down the giant of sin. David taking down Goliath only gives us an insight into what Christ truly did. He broke down the giant. He faced our giant, that Goliath of sin, and he did something unlikely. He drove out sin 
and then he raised from the dead and defeated death and then he ascended into heaven assumed his throne and one day he will return one day he will return i want to wrap it up with one statement from martin luther that i find absolutely gorgeous it's beautiful to think this this way but he said the bible is the cradle wherein christ is laid folks the bible is the cradle and christ is laid in the cradle he's there for us to see to take in to experience in our lives today but if you saw jesus today if you saw him would you know him would you recognize him would you experience him because sometimes many times most times actually we're not expecting him. So why would we see him? Folks, live your life with expectancy. Expect to see Christ today. Expect to experience Christ today. Remember what Jesus said. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and you will find, folks. Seek him in all things. Expect to see him and you will. Expect to cross paths with Christ every day and you will. But we must live our lives in expectancy. I'm going to close it in prayer. Again, these are just some thoughts that I've had over the last couple of weeks. Really just tying some things together. But so powerful and I, it was burning within me. Today I couldn't help but share so I do hope that this finds you well. But let's go to the Lord in prayer and wrap up the podcast today. Father, we thank you that we can see you throughout creation, throughout history, throughout everything, every move that's made, Lord. We can see you in some way. Lord, help us to wait with expectancy, to, to watch with expectancy to experience with expectancy, to go through this life expecting to see you in every moment. And Lord, I pray that we would see that in you today. God, go with us, lead us, and direct us. Continue to show us your glory, Father. You are good. You are holy. You are just. We know that you, Lord, make yourself known through creation, through others in our lives, through circumstances in all things. You are God in heaven, and we are here on earth, Lord. So I pray that we let our words be few, but that we would fall in love with you all over again, each and every day as we go through this life. Go with us, lead us, direct us, show us your glory. We pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in with the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast. You can join us each week. We try to get an episode up by 12 noon every Friday. and We are very blessed to be able to bring this to you. Hope that you can find peace where the wild things aren't. Listen on wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow it. Click it to download so you can get the newest episodes. And again, we thank you for listening to Where the Wild Things Aren't.